Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hello, everyone. I hope you're getting good use out of those stepping stones. Funny story to get started with. So I had half written this episode. I wasn't fully done and I didn't do any recording yet. Um, and then went on vacation, just got back. We were in Iceland. It was amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, but langoustine, which is their version of lobster, is everywhere. Like it's on the menu everywhere. <laughs> so it was just really funny that as I was writing an episode called I Don't Like Lobster, I was continually confronted with having to say, no, thank you. I don't like lobster. All right. So today, in case you hadn't guessed, we're going to talk about why it's hard to be different sometimes. So to illustrate, I think I have a pretty varied palate, but I've just never really liked lobster. I don't hate it and I don't even strongly dislike it. I just don't like it. Like it, it just doesn't do anything for me. When I was first married, this was a source of amusement for my husband. Not that it's funny that I don't like lobster, because who cares, but because it was obvious to him that I didn't like it, and yet I kept unconsciously trying to make myself like it for years. We'd be out to eat and looking at the menu, and so many times I would pick out something that had lobster in it, and he would very gently say to me, now, you rem remember, you don't actually like lobster. Or sometimes he wouldn't remind me and I'd get something with lobster in it and I would be disappointed. And then he would say, well, maybe this shouldn't be surprising because you don't like lobster. It's kind of funny to me just how long it took for me to actually come to terms with the fact that it's just not a food that I like. It really wasn't until the last few years that I truly understood why. On a superficial level, I did know that it was because everyone else seems to like lobster, and so I thought, well, I should like it too. But I didn't understand why I thought I should like it really until recently. So when we have any sort of experience that makes us feel like we're different from the people around us, it can cause a couple of different concerns. The first one, the obvious one, is just plain old FOMO. So you see other people doing something or enjoying something, and you feel like, oh, that looks like fun. They look like they're happy. They look like they're enjoying this. I would like to do that too. Even if somewhere in the back of your mind, there's a voice saying, no, you don't like roller coasters, even though all those people seem to be having fun on the roller coaster, you can still feel like, ah, oh, but I must be missing out. Beyond your basic FOMO, it can also feel like there must be something fundamentally wrong with you if you don't like something that seemingly everyone else does like. It, it might feel like you're actually abnormal in some way. So you might feel like, you know, if I don't like this and everyone else seems to, am I broken? Is there something that didn't develop right in me? Am I deficient in some way? And that's a kind of an unpleasant feeling to have. But probably the most insidious thing is that it can make us think that we're going to be excluded. If you think about this as a protective mechanism going way back to thousands of years ago, being excluded is something that could be fatal. People needed to live in communities. It wasn't just for companionship and for propagation of the species. 
people relied on other members of their community for things like gathering food and protection and all sorts of things. Even in modern society, we can see that being excluded does still have potential for life-altering or life-threatening consequences. So whether you recognize it or not, there may be warning sirens going off in your brain telling you something terrible is going to happen because you're different. Probably not with something as trivial as lobster, but honestly, equally trivial things can spark this. It really doesn't have to be something big or noteworthy. But these things don't always happen. Sometimes we embrace being different. Sometimes we're downright proud of it. Why? What determines whether the perception of being different will be something that we see as a positive instead of a negative? Well, if you haven't already guessed, it's because of the way you're thinking. It's completely because of the meaning that you have assigned to it. If you think something is important or good or should be aspirational for some reason, and it doesn't feel any of those things to you, well, it's probably going to drive one of the processes we were just discussing. But if the meaning you've assigned to the thing that you're different about is the opposite, well, it's going to make you feel happy or proud or whatever. So think back to one of the early episodes I mentioned that I pride myself on being self-sufficient at work. So in terms of workflows in the office, this translates to me having been an early adopter for putting in my own orders and routinely communicating most results myself. I'm guessing that probably most doctors don't feel the same way about these things as I do. Probably for most doctors, if they had plenty of staff and it was an option to have someone else do all of these things and there were no repercussions, you know, no, no adverse consequences, I'm guessing most people would gladly hand them over. So here's something that I'm different from most people about, and I'm glad to be different. And it's all because of how I'm thinking about it. So let's really break this down to make it clear. If we take it and model it out, here's how it goes. I think something along the lines of, I do X myself because I'm self-sufficient. The emotion that follows there is pride. All right, and if I'm gonna be completely honest, sometimes there's a little tinge of smug superiority thrown in too. But because I'm feeling proud of this characteristic that I believe I have, I subconsciously hone my skills and develop more efficiency and continually improve my process. And the result is that I'm self-sufficient. Now, I'm not conscious of any of this. It's not deliberate at all. It's just the natural downstream result of a belief that I hold. Because remember, our brains are exceptional at proving our thoughts to be correct. And all of this happens because of one, the meaning I've assigned to being self-sufficient, that it's a good and desirable trait, and two, the way I'm thinking about it. You could have someone who communicates most results themselves exactly the way I do, and they could be exactly as efficient about it or better, but they might be thinking this makes them a pushover or that they're being take it, taken advantage of or that their health system doesn't value them enough to provide necessary support staff or whatever. And you can imagine that thoughts like these wouldn't drive them to feel proud, but rather annoyed or frustrated or resentful. And any of these feelings would drive actions to really prove some version of that thought to be true. 
the end result is we'd be doing the exact same work, but having a vastly different experience of it. But back to being different or thinking that you're different and feeling like it's a problem. There are so many scenarios in academic medicine where this can happen. Think about being satisfied with your rank when everyone around you is gunning for promotion. Desiring a leadership position that most people openly find undesirable. Thinking that you must be the only one who doesn't love working with a particular subset of learners. Not wanting a leadership role that is generally regarded as the pinnacle of one's career. I mean, you get the idea. So let's take that last one for a second. If it's been implied that you will or should want to eventually fulfill a certain leadership role, and the specifics of that role really do not appeal to you at all, you feel this is a problem, how might it play out? If you go for it, despite your reservations, because FOMO is driving you, your thoughts would probably be something along the lines of, I better do this because if I don't, I'll always feel like I missed out on something. If you pursue it because you think there must be something fundamentally wrong with you to not want it, then your thoughts would be something along the lines of, well, I'm just going to fake my way through this. And maybe if I keep trying to fool myself, eventually I'll come to my senses and grow to like it. And if it's that sneaky, insidious reason, being excluded, you might pursue it because somewhere deep down, there's a thought like, if I don't do this, everyone's going to think less of me and my career is going to go in a downward spiral and maybe I'll lose leadership positions that I already have. Maybe I'll get demoted or even let go and then I'll be all alone. Being different isn't always good or always bad. The meaning that you assign to your differences can change over time too, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But if you identify a difference that's bothering you, it's a good idea to examine it under this lens and figure out why. What are you making this mean? Why is that a problem? Sometimes just the, the process of figuring out what your driving thought is, sometimes that's all you need to do. Sometimes once you recognize that thought, it can be enough to just say, hey, I see what you're trying to do, but it's okay because this is not actually a problem. Like not liking lobster. Thanks brain, it's fine. I don't have to like lobster. So sometimes it's not enough. You might have to dig in a little bit deeper and see if you need to go to work on cleaning up your thoughts. Like if you've decided you're going to do or not do something and it's making you feel different in a problematic way, well, if you're definitely going to do it anyway, how about working on a way to think about it that won't make you feel so miserable? Stepping stones can be really useful in that kind of situation. Sometimes you might even decide to do or not do something with fairly certain knowledge that the result will be exclusion from a group that you otherwise really wanted to belong to or that you do now and you'd like to continue belonging to. So several years ago, I had taken on too many leadership positions and I had to step away from one. The one that I chose to let go is one that many people in academic medicine would have considered to be their highest priority to, to keep. So I definitely had that something must be wrong with me feeling for quite a while. Also, letting that role go meant that I don't go to those meetings anymore and I don't see all the friends that I made and I'm not pursuing the same types of projects that they're all doing. That community is carrying on because that's how life works and I'm just an observer now. 
So this is where coaching can be really transformative. By being able to recognize that your brain is trying to tell you a story of being left out or left behind, you have the opportunity to redirect all of that. Instead of believing things that lead you to feel rejected or resentful or remorseful, you get to, first of all, tell your brain, knock it off and stop feeding me nonsense. But also, you can just change the way you're thinking. In my example here, it means knowing that I chose to stop spreading myself over too many areas in order to make me more effective and meaningful in what I am continuing to do. And instead of feeling left behind, I can choose to be so proud of my friends from that community and their accomplishments. And I know that we can still enjoy each other's company when our paths cross, even if it less often. And let me tell you, that is a way better option because when you think you're left out or being excluded, it usually causes you to feel rejected, which usually drives actions like withdrawing and pouting. And the result is that you exclude yourself. See how that brain of yours is always at work? All right, I'll leave you to think about what things make you feel different in a problematic way. If you'd like help sorting through your FOMO or fears of being left behind or that you must be broken or different, happy to help. Go to whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule your free consult. See you next time. Any opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.